is the Under Center Podcast. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Under Centre Podcast. I'm your host, Dara Mar, and I'm joined today by Jake Woolhead and Rain Malloy. Lads, actually, both of you guys were in London this past weekend. So, Jake, first of all, since you are the Giants fan, how would you get on? Yeah, I got on great. As you can see, my chair doesn't have the Eli Manning jersey that came with me for uh, for the game. And it obviously brought a lot of luck for me. So, uh, yeah, absolutely delighted. Didn't really expect the game to go the way it did from, from the first half, at least. 17-3 deficit that we got into kind of uh, had my hopes down, but the beers kept me warm for the second half to turn around right on time. Excellent. And, and Reen, um, of course, you were, you are actually a, a Panthers fan, but like you mentioned to us off air, girlfriend is a, a Packers fan, so you were a Packers fan for the day, so no doubt there was a disappointment afterwards. Yeah, it was it was pretty upsetting. I was left with a very grumpy girlfriend, but the, the whole section that we were in just happened to be Packers fans, and uh, we were all pretty hyped going into halftime. And when the full time whistle came around, uh, there was not too many smiles in that crowd. <laughs> the it was crazy walking through London that weekend. Was it just a whole load of Packers fans literally everywhere? It took until maybe Sunday, like an hour before I left before I seen one Giants fan and then I like it, it, they trickled in while it was like 80% uh, Packers fans for the whole thing even the Giants got a boo when they ran into the into the stadium <laughs> how actually was the stadium um how was Tottenham because I've been to Wembley I haven't had the chance to go to the Tottenham Hotspur stadium yet it's a nice stadium it is a really nice stadium uh, I do think it's a little less crack outside for the old tailgating but um yeah, no, we had nice seats right at the fifty yard line, but we were at the top. But uh, yeah, no, still could see everything. It was it was nice. Yeah, one hundred percent agree. Uh, it's a stadium that's been built for football, right? So it's got that kind of lower pitch to to allow the use of all of the stands, and I think it really helps. There was a great atmosphere there when uh, when Aaron Rodgers ran out onto the pitch. That was the loudest I've heard a stadium in a long time. It was it was uh, it was mental. Yeah, and look, say it was upset, of course, by the Giants and the Packers' first time in London, and they lose. I'm sure um, they won't be in a rush to come back, or maybe they will, just because of the reception that they got. Um, although Jake, I know you did say that it was mostly just Packers fans for the whole thing, but I've noticed for years of watching the NFL and London games, it's always loads of Packers fans. Whoever plays, you always just see tons of Packers jerseys in the crowd. I think they must be the one of the most popular franchises um, internationally outside of Green Bay, uh, obviously. But um, yeah, always. But this game was like exceptional because I go to them almost every year, and the variation on jerseys are just crazy. And usually, there's not like there is obviously a lot of Packers fans, a lot of the teams that are playing, but the variation is crazy. This game just seemed to be green almost everywhere. I sat beside some guys from Wisconsin who had the Luchador Packers masks on. It's just crazy, but it was crazy. Did any of you indulge yourselves in a cheese head hat that I believe was costing the grand total of 60 quid as well on the day? Actually, we said, did, yeah. <laughs> well, myself and my I girlfriend said, look, if there are any less than thirty pounds, we'll go for one because we said that that was a high bar to set. Thirty pounds for yeah. a piece of plastic, sixty pounds. So we decided against it for a cheese head. I know I couldn't, I couldn't believe it when I saw the the prices that were coming coming along. But look, uh, 
the second of two games in London this year. The first game as well with the Saints and the Vikings was a success too. And we'll see now what happens in Wembley in a couple of weeks' time between the, the Broncos and the Jaguars. Um, we'll see maybe if the Broncos can get their offense sorted in time and if the Jaguars make sure they don't fall off a cliff because they are threatening to a little bit now in the last few weeks so so we can still make the game entertaining. We are, of course, going to look ahead to week six and preview all the games and give our opinions on what's going to happen. But before we do, I think we cannot go any further, Reen, without asking you. You are a resident Panthers fan. The news during the week, Matt Rule was fired by the Panthers after two and a bit years in charge. Your feelings on uh, the decision by owner David Tepper to uh, to relieve Coach Rule of his duties? It, it, it put a little smile on my face there on Monday as I was in the airport going to come home. Um, yeah, look, I don't think this coaching change is going to make a whole lot of difference um, I see Steve Wilkes having had the single year there in Arizona where he was forced into uh, a terrible QB situation with Josh Rosen um, and he was forced out after the year after some pretty terrible play. I see it kind of going the same way, right? The Panthers have got a lot of talent across the board, a lot of big names there, but the one thing that's holding them back is the quarterback and him being a defensive-minded coach uh, I don't think he's going to be able to get the job done to pull the Panthers out of the slump that they're in. Uh, that being said, though, you know, it's a 13-week 13, 13 interview for the job for Wilkes, and I hope he does well. Um, I was a little bit sad to see uh, Phil Snow get the boot as well, but at the same time, you know, when you're installing a defensive head coach like that, you don't want you want him to be able to do things his way as opposed to having a guy with so much seniority there Um who might be able to kind of undercut him at every angle. So I, I understand the decision. I just think it was a little bit rough to get rid of Phil Snow and leave Ben McAdoo where he was because he has been terrible with the play calls this year. Yeah. And Jake, it's always actually... Nice to get the, sorry, it's always nice to get the opinion of a Packers fan, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Particularly when it comes to the Panthers, you know, yeah. <laughs> Jake, I was going to ask, and Rian mentioned it there as well, that the Phil Snow, the defensive coordinator, was relieved of his duties and Ben McAdoo keeps his job, at least for the time being. Whereas throughout this season, it was actually the defense that was outperforming the offense. So it, do you agree with what Rian says? Is it a case of it's a defensive head coach, he wants to do things his way, and he doesn't feel he'll be able to do that with Phil Snow staying in his role there? Uh, yeah, I can see why you would do something like that. I mean, I don't blame him. It's it's tough to get going as a new like a interim head coach to re-rally this team, especially if it's so early in the season. It's still a chance you could possibly turn it around if the players can kind of get behind the new interim coach and stuff. And as you said, Ree, it's a bit of a an interview for Steve Wilkes himself. So yeah, I, I don't understand not getting rid of, or not getting rid of Ben McAdoo. I've seen him myself um, on the Giants who. He was kind of hit and miss here and there. And obviously with the way the Panthers offense have been playing, it's just a bit um, bewildering. Yeah. Yeah, well, we'll see then what happens over the next couple of weeks if it is the case that uh, Steve Wilkes can turn things around. A difficult start 
for him because he has already lost Baker Mayfield for the next couple of games at least with a high ankle sprain. So it looks like be PJ Walker. I can see Rain at the bottom of the screen just having a smile from ear to ear with that news yeah. now as well. <laughs> like, is that a bad thing, really? really? <laughs> can we go back to the episode where we said, "Oh, there's an upgrade at quarterback for the Panthers." Yeah, boy, was I wrong. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> This is the, look, in the grand scheme of things, this is the only reason why podcasts are done, so we can go back and give each other shit for our terrible takes in previous weeks. I said the Seattle Seahawks defense was going to be a standout this year, and they are the worst defense in football. So, look, it happens. You can bet that, yeah. It happens. <laughs> but uh, before we move on to our preview for week six, I should also mention that this show today is brought to you in partnership with Locker. Locker is a new sports app that centralizes premium sports content and puts the power in the hands of fans to personalize their world of sport, including a wide range of premium NFL sources that can be tailored to your fan experience. Download the app for free in the Irish or UK iOS and Play Store today but let's get straight in to our uh, preview for week six and let's talk about the Thursday night football game first and that is of course the Washington Commanders who are one and four traveling to Soldier Field to take on the Chicago Bears at two and three the Commanders coming off their uh, disappointing loss at home to the Titans and um, where Carson Wentz threw an interception with the last play of the game pretty much to um, seal the win for the Titans the Bears coming off their Almost come from behind a victory uh, against the the Vikings last week. Um, But an interesting stat coming in this game. Carson Wentz, who's come in for a lot of criticism this year, even from his own head coach we've heard this week in Ron Rivera. He is 6-0 on Thursday night football games since entering (laughs) the league. He is on course. If he can win on Thursday night, he will be only... Uh, the fourth QB after Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, and Russell Wilson to win seven straight Thursday night football games. On the Bears' side of things, uh, you know, Justin Fields had one of his better games last week, both uh, with his legs and throwing the football against the Vikings. Maybe the sign of things starting to turn around for that offense, but uh, Jake, I'll start with you first on this game. What are your thoughts ahead of Commanders at Bears? I mean, it's probably not the most exciting game we were looking forward to, especially after a pretty poor last uh, last week Thursday night game. But um, I'm like, I'm like, I'm at least a little bit excited to look for look to at the Commanders. They got that uh, rookie running back who who came in. Um, I think he only got a he was on a snap count last week, but um, good to see him come back. It might provide a little bit of a spark for that kind of lulling offense there on the Washington Commanders side. Um, yeah, I don't know how I feel about this game. It's Thursday night football, which is never the most exciting game of the week, and we just have to watch two not good teams go at it. So I'm probably not staying up late for this game. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, but that's just Murphy's law, isn't it? Like this is set up to be a terrible game, right? Two it's like seventy point game offenses. or something. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be an explosive game start to finish. I can feel it. Um, yeah, no, look. Justin Fields looked like a, an actual competent quarterback in the game last week. Uh, so I expect them to kind of have a nice enough game in this one. That uh, commander's defense is not great on the back end. And they struggle to stop the run as well. So I think um, the likes of Montgomery and um, the backup. Khalil, uh, Khalil Herbert. Herbert. Khalil Herbert, yes. 
Uh, they're going to have big days as well on the ground. And watch out for a bit of Justin Fields scrambling because we saw that nice big run against the uh, Vikings that was just so unfortunately pulled back for the for the holding call. Um, yeah, I can't believe that stat though. Six and zero on Thursday night football for Carson Wentz. Like that is just crazy. Yeah. I can't. I'm going to put a bet on them and they're going to lose. Like that's just <laughs> the, the reality of the situation here for me. But uh, I love a stat like that. They're kind of pointless, but also I'm into it. I'm into it. Look, it can't get any worse than last week's uh, game between the Colts and the Broncos. Um, so as long as it's better than that, and we have at least, was it, there was only one, there was no touchdowns at all in the game last week. So at least if we have one touchdown, we're already doing better than we did last week. Um, so I am thinking, uh, very quickly, lads, who are you thinking for this game, though? I'll go first. I'm all in on this commander's streak going forward. I'm all in on the Wentz streak. What's the? Let me just quickly check what the handicap here is for us. While he's checking that, Rain. Who uh, while, while he's doing that, I'm going to go against them and say the Bears. Um, I've said it before. I'll say it again. They're able to rely on that running game regardless of how bad Justin Fields is. And I can see them going to 500 this week. Okay. It's the it's a pick'em game, which means usually it's a plus one point favorite to the the home team, but uh, it doesn't seem to be. So it's dead evens on this one. Dead evens. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. I I think I am looking at the Bears in this game as well, um, mostly because of the home advantage. I think, especially on a short week, home advantage is a huge plus for a team. Um, I think home teams in Thursday night football so far this year are winning as well. Um, apart from week one and last week, I think it was mostly just home teams that were winning them. So I'm going to continue that streak, and I think that the Bears are going to uh, to win this game and to go three and three, and the Commanders to um, sink even lower and put a lot of uh, a lot of uh, fire under the seat of Coach Ron. Rivera, um, of course, because I think the comments that he's making now recently, the the stuff about just basically blaming the quarterback for why he's behind in the NFC East. Um, that, 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 is, that was very much taken out of context. Yeah, though. Like absolutely. His, his very next it, comment was that the reason is every other QB in that division have been there more than a year and Carson Wentz has come in. He also said he has absolutely no regrets in bringing Wentz in. So. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, we'll see, though. We'll see. Um, uh, if they do get the win, and Carson will say, he did play a decent game last week, apart from that interception at the end. But that's the problem. He always has a mistake in him, and you know it's coming soon. So whether it's the first play or the last play, if he hasn't made a mistake yet, it's coming soon. And that's that's always the worry when it comes to, to wins. But we'll move on to Sunday's games. And we'll start, of course, with the early slate. Um, let's have a look at yeah, let's have a look at the San Francisco 49ers traveling to Atlanta to take on the Falcons. Um, the 49ers running back Jeff Wilson actually had a huge game last week. Uh, 132 scrimmage yards um and a 15th career rushing TD. He's aiming for his third game in a row with a rush uh t- with a rushing touchdown. Uh, and a third game in the row on the road with over a hundred yards uh, scrimmage. So uh, it's an interesting stat there for for the 49ers. On the Falcon side of things, uh Drake London, uh, of course, their rookie rookie wide receiver, had four catches for 30, 35 yards last week against the Bucks. 
Uh, he ranks actually third among rookies with 22 receptions and about 256 yards. Of course, the books are the the Falcons coming off that uh, you know heartbreaking loss against the Bucks last week, which included that crazy roughing the passer call on Grady Jarrett. And the 49ers coming off that game against the Panthers that, uh, of course, ended up being Matt Rule's last game in charge. Reen, I'll start with you first on this one. What are your thoughts ahead of 49ers and Falcons? Yeah, I'm really liking the look of this 49ers team. Um, their offense played very well at the weekend uh, against what is a strong, albeit uh, injury-depleted Carolina Panthers team. Um, it kind of just depends on what version of Jimmy G you get on the day. It yeah. could be throw a pick six safety Jimmy G, or it could be light the place up and have 260, 300 yards passing and a couple of touchdown passes to boot. Um, so I think that's really where it's going to come down to on the 49ers offensive side of the ball. Looking at the Falcons, they really need to get things going uh, against what has been a dominant defense. Um I think it's probably going to rely a lot on Kyle Pitts getting the ball out quickly and maybe utilizing Mariota's um, kind of mobility as a quarterback. Yeah, yeah, we need to see him run the ball more um, than he has been in recent weeks. Yeah, I don't know. I think it kind of comes down, as you said, this like the Falcons' D line against the 49ers' O line and and how much time it can give Jimmy G to avoid uh, any of these mistakes that you mentioned. So I'm looking forward to seeing that battle. And also maybe George Kittle, I'm looking forward to seeing him maybe turn it around a bit more in the passing game. I know he's been a key person there for that run blocking, but uh, I'm sure he'd also like to see a couple of more TDs with his name on them. So I'm hoping he can get a few more. The The Falcons, I, I would like to see um, Sorry, Kyle Pitts. Uh, just explode a bit more. He had a bit of a, a, a good week last week. So if he just lives up to that fourth overall pick type of game, maybe then you have a proper game to have uh, have on Sunday. I think uh, injuries are a very underrated thing for the 49ers as well this week because as far as I'm aware, Joey Bosa is not going to make it. He has a groin injury. Um, I think it's... Uh, uh, Mosley is out with an ACL. I think... Ward, their cornerback, is out with a broken wrist. So the uh, injuries are starting to mount up a little bit. And, of course, the likes of Trent Williams and stuff is out too. Um, I don't know. I think maybe we might see something from the Falcons in this game. I, I know you mentioned about Jimmy G and his games where he has 260 and or 300 yards throwing the ball. But realistically, they're sort of false yards because it's a lot of yak yards after that. Uh, you see, you throw a five-yard pass to Debo Samuel and he runs it in for 50, or you throw a five-yard pass to, you know, George Kittle and he runs it for 20, 25 yards. You know, it's... it's So if they can tackle... If they can stop the yak yards and get the players down as soon as they catch the ball, that's where the Falcons, I think, have a chance. Um, they lost their main linebacker last week with Deion Jones being traded to the Browns as well. So that's going to be interesting, especially when it comes to this run game and what they can do. Tevin Coleman actually came back and had a great game last week for the 49ers as well. So um, it's not just on Jeff Wilson's shoulders. So we'll see. We'll see there when it comes to that. Um, for me, I am probably going to go with a 49ers win on this. Um, I did mention them as one of my as my Super Bowl team um, at the start of the year. And I think if they are going to be that Super Bowl team, they're going to have to win these games. 
Um, and I think they can go to Atlanta and win them. Um, Jake, who have you got first? Yeah, I think I'm going to lean 49ers with you on this one. If any kind of coach can overcome a slew of injuries, it's definitely going to be Kyle Shanahan. So I'm going to lean towards them. And uh, I also just want to make the note that I think you picking the 49ers as a Super Bowl team when they were starting Trey Lance at the time was a mad pick. But now that you've Jimmy G, I can give you it back. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and make it a clean sweep for the Niners in this one, which presumably means the Falcons are going to do it. But uh, <laughs> no, the, the, the 49ers... happened where Thursday night football pick last week with the Broncos. Yeah, yeah. The 49ers are a good football team. The Falcons are a bad football team. Logic dictates the 49ers win that game. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Let's uh, move on then to the next game on Sunday, and that is the New England Patriots against the Cleveland Browns. Two two and three teams going up against each other. Uh, QB Bailey Sappy, of course, made his first career start last week and completed 17 of 21 passes uh, with a touchdown. Uh, and an interception for a 100 rating, a nice perfect 100 rating. I love yeah. that. You know, uh, he's obviously aiming for. He's actually aiming for his third game in a row with a 100 plus QBR. So we can we'll see if that on the Brown side of things. Of course, Nick Chubb has continued his great start to the year, rushing for 134 yards and two touchdowns last week. His seventh career game with 100 plus rush yards um, and two rushing touchdowns tied for the second most in NFL since uh, 2018 um, is the only player in the NFL with a hundred scrimmage yards in each of his first five weeks and become the first player since 2018 with a hundred plus scrimmage yards in each of the teams for six games of the season. He leads the NFL with 593 rush yards and seven rushing touchdowns downs uh i think i'll start first on this game it's going to be interesting to see obviously the patriots defense shut out the lions last week um a team that also likes to run the ball the browns were extremely unlucky not to beat the chargers last week just for a failed uh, Cade york field goal at the end of the game which he just I think, I think it just hit the side of his boot. It just went right as soon as he kicked it. It was just gone. It didn't even hit the net, I don't think. You know, uh, I think uh, Belichick loves playing against the Browns. The Patriots have actually won the last four games they played against them. Um, it is tough. Brissett has had a really good uh, season as well. A lot better than I thought he was going to have now as the backup. Um, the Browns have lost three games this year. And the aggregate score for their three games is six points that they've lost by combined. That is a crazy stat. I think this will be a close game. I'm going to lean towards the Browns, or not not the Browns, sorry, the Patriots rushing attack being too much for the Browns. They can't stop the run at all this year. They've, Like I mentioned there in the previous game, they brought in Deion Jones to help in the run game in the linebacking position. But I think that the the Patriots will uh, just have enough to beat the Browns and leave Cleveland with the win. Uh, Rain, what do you think? It's interesting that you mentioned the Patriots running game, uh, considering they have now lost a guy, their starter, and they're down to Ramondre Stevenson, who in my eyes is not really an every down back, right? He's good first to third down, but when you need that like through the tackle, short yardage situation, I don't really see Ramondre doing it. Um, on the flip side of things, you have obviously got the best 
running back in the league at the moment and a pretty good sidekick in Kareem Hunt. Uh, no pun intended on that, by the way. Uh, and um, yeah, I really can't see the Browns losing this game, to be honest. I think they have too much talent across the board for the Patriots, who have been sputtering uh, recently. Now, I did like the way Bailey Zappi moved the football in his last game. Um, surprisingly more so than Mac Jones. Maybe that was down to the, the defense he was playing against. But still, he managed to move the football and looked competent doing it. Um, so for me, it's a little bit of a toss-up, but I think the Browns will come out on top. Yeah, I'm far more on the Brown side than than you, Ray, but I do think it's going to be a good game. Um, I'm a big fan of Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt duo on the backfield. I just think they're going to be a little bit overwhelming for that Patriots D-line, even though they're, as we know, they're quite good with the run. But I'm also really liking, as you said, Dara, how Jake Biscuit started to play or has been playing throughout the season, especially with he seems to be latching on to a nice target, David Njoku, getting a lot of kind of them yards with him. And Njoku himself is playing quite well. So I don't know. I just see this game going more in the Browns' favor. They were quite unlucky against the Chargers. The, the Pats um, blew out the Lions there last week. As we know, the Lions don't really have a defense as such. So uh, I'm not really saying that they can score that well, and I don't think they'll score that well on the Browns. Okay, okay, fair enough, fair enough. Let's move on then to from two two and three teams to two three and two teams. Um, incredibly, one of them is the New York Jets, and they're traveling to Lambeau to take on the Green Bay Packers. Packers coming off, like we mentioned, that London loss against the Giants. The Jets coming off a forty to seventeen demolition job of the Miami Dolphins. Um, interestingly enough, the Packers have actually won the last three meetings between these sides. Uh, on the Jets side of things. Uh, Michael Carter had a, a career-high two rushing touchdowns in week five against the Dolphins. Um, and a one, and along with, sorry, uh, Bryce Hall, who had two as well. Uh, he is, Sorry, I should say they're one of two pairs of AFC running backs, along with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, to each have two rushing touchdowns in 2022. So the, the Jets are sort of taking something out of the Browns' playbook a little bit in terms of having two very competent running backs that can play um, uh, and multiple downs. So maybe they can have that two-headed attack to help Zach Wilson. And um, They still have some dangerous receivers on the outside as well. Um, of course, uh, on the Packers, like I said, they're coming back off that disappointing loss, which kind of showed as well in the second half, especially that this receiving core is probably not the receiving core that's going to take them to the Super Bowl. Um, it's going to be very tough for them. They might still make the playoffs. They might make a, a win a game or two in the playoffs, but Super Bowl might be a little bit out of their hands. Jake, I'll start with you first on this one. Uh, what are your thoughts ahead of uh, Packers against the Jets? That's a, it's going to be a good game. I think the, the Jets have kind of come into their own offensively and they're able to score some points now. They've got a pretty decent uh, running back pair. You mentioned Michael Carter, Brees Hall. I think the two of them are going to be a quite a good uh, duo in the, in the next year's coming. And I'm really liking their wide receiver core. I think they're pretty decent. The Corey Davis, Garrett Wilson, that rookie, um, has been playing pretty good as well. So, uh, yeah, no, I really like that. And their defense seems to be holding its own. 
I'm really liking how Quinn and Williams kind of played so far. I liked how he plays. And CJ Mosley, Quan Alexander, them guys as well are going to be pretty tough. Uh, you have to just, I, I assume Robert Sala is going to take something out of last week's game against the Packers, or how the Giants played the Packers on defense, which was blitz a lot and not give them a lot of time to, to for them receivers to get open. So um, I like the Jets. I don't know if I'm going to pick them to win this game, but because um, you can never count out Aaron Rodgers, really, can you? Like, especially when it's Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon in the backfield, and Randall Cobb, he's okay. He's, old but he's still okay um so no i don't know that i i feel like the the jets running is gonna just take off in this game and and the packers can't stop it right now so it's gonna be a pretty tough one for them yeah 100 agree with you um i don't know if you noticed in that um in that london game but aaron Rodgers had some awful overthrows and underthrows in that game i don't know if he's carrying an injury or something but it's absolutely not like Aaron Rodgers when he is usually deadly accurate regardless of the length of throw that he's thrown it out. And Marine, sorry, so, just to interrupt you very quickly. He did miss practice on Wednesday with a thumb injury. Okay, that's interesting. So I don't know if that's affecting him more than maybe he's making out. Um, but yeah, he did not look like the Aaron Rodgers we know and love um, in the in that game. And this might carry on to the next game. On the flip side of that, you know, the Jets, I think the spark that they really needed was Zach Wilson. Since he's come back, they've looked like a totally different football team. Uh, one who are capable of playing offense and playing it well. Um, I still think they're trying to kind of cover up some of the Zach Wilson um, inefficiencies, maybe is the right word. By, you know, running the football, uh, getting the ball out of his hands, some stunt plays and that sort of thing. You know, we saw him catch a touchdown there a couple of weeks ago. And they had five rushing touchdowns at the weekend. So I think as he has been the spark, but they're being smart about it. And he's still a young quarterback. He still makes mistakes. Uh, so put as much as he can on the star-studded wide receiver core and that one-two punch that you got in the backfield. Uh, like Jake, mm -hmm. I'm pretty close on this game. I don't really know who I want to go for. I'll probably go for the Packers uh, just to save the beatdown that my girlfriend will give me if I don't pick him. <laughs> I, I, I don't know why. I don't know if we should are able to say this, but I like the Jets. I do. I like the Jets. And I, I like. Say, they, I agree. I think this matchup is horrible for the Pam, for the Packers. Um, we saw last week that their O-line couldn't stop the pressure from the, the Giants' defensive line. Um, they had pressure on Rodgers all the time. The The Jets' defensive line is probably even better. With, you mentioned Quinn and Williams. Also, Carl Lawson as well there too. Um, you know, they've got the a linebacking duo of K1 Alexander and CJ Mosley have started the season really, really well. So that will help in the run game. There were uh, cornerbacks are probably, I think they ranked in the top five cornerback pairing so far this year in DJ Reed and Sauce Gardner. Um, and then Jordan Whitehead as a like as a Super Bowl winner with the with the Buccaneers for that experience in the in the very back too. I think it's just gonna be a a a, a a nightmare for the Packers. And like I mentioned, their their defense has not been performing well at all this year, considering the names that are there. They just have not been able to perform up to the standards as expected. And Saquon Barkley was giving them so much trouble in the running game last week. And like that, we mentioned with Carter and Hall too. I think that 
I really do think that the Jets can go to Lambeau and beat the, the Packers and put a lot of pressure on on LaFleur and Rodgers now. Um, so I'm going to actually go for the Jets on this. Yeah, I think like I, I might do it. They're seven-point underdogs. So uh, Pack, uh, Giants came from minus eight and a half. So maybe the Jets can come from minus seven to win it. Or plus seven, sorry. Wrong way around. Plus seven, yeah. yeah. How, how, how crazy is it that we're talking about two good football teams in New York at this stage of the season? Wild. <laughs> Who said before the start of the season, the four and one Giants and the three and two Jets? That's just crazy. <laughs> I know, it's unbelievable. We'll get to um, the Giants in a little bit, but we'll move on to the, an AFC South matchup. It's a repeat of week one. The Jacksonville Jaguars travelling to Indianapolis to take on the Colts. Of course, it's like I mentioned, the repeat of week one where the Jaguars beat the Colts. Um, the Jaguars have actually won the past two games, including that one at the at week 18 of last season too. So the Jaguars seem to have the Colts number a little bit, but Things have sort of, you know, come off a cliff the last few weeks for the for the Jaguars. They were 14 points up against the Eagles and threw that away and lost. Um, against, okay, an undefeated Eagles team, you can understand that. But they played so poorly in that game last week against the Texans. And look, both teams didn't play great in general. Um, a standout, though, for the Jaguars so far is their rookie linebacker, Devin Lloyd, who is aiming for his third game in a row with 11-plus tackles. He leads the uh, he leads uh, all rookies this year with 49 tackles. So if you're looking for a defensive player of the year candidate to throw a few quid on, Devin Lloyd is definitely up there for sure. With the, uh, with the Colts, Matt Ryan uh, was aiming for his third game in a row with 250-plus passing yards. He has a 105 rating in each of his last or in each of his first two home games this year. He is one of three NFL quarterbacks, which include Josh Allen and Tom Brady, with 350-plus pass yards in multiple games this year. Getting up and down the field isn't the problem for the Colts. It's the red zone that seems to be a problem with the Colts and not being able to to finish drives off and not being able to get the run game going in a in a team that we've known for years to have such a strong offensive line. The offensive line this year has been so poor and has been allowing um, Matt Ryan to be sacked multiple times each game. I think he has the most fumbles as well for any player in the league this year too. Um, so... It's been a struggle so far for the Colts. Uh, Rian, I'll start with you first on this one. What are your thoughts ahead of Jaguars at Colts? Yeah, I, I think it really boils down to that Colts O-line. Um, I think if they're missing Jonathan Taylor again as well, that's going to be a major issue. Uh, but, I mean, the O-line giving up all those sacks against um, against the Broncos there last week. I mean, we saw them get down into multiple red zone situations and Matt Ryan takes sacks that kind of knock them out to the point where field goals actually start becoming difficult. And, you know, part of that is on the O-line, but part of that is on Matt Ryan holding on to the football too long. I think he has been doing that a lot this season. And that's when you kind of see these stats creep in where there's, you know, fumbles. I think he has five on the season so far, which is just an outrageous number for a guy of his... Uh, he can go yeah, ahead. We'll, we'll, we'll inform when he gets back. Okay, uh, but for a, for a guy of his caliber and um, his you know stature in the league, I think yeah, it's it's wild that he's doing that. Like you can understand it from younger guys, but a guy like him, he should know by now that if he's in red zone situations 
and he sees the blitz coming. There's nobody open. Get rid of the ball. Do not take the sack. And it's it's like mistakes like that that are costing Colts games this season. Yeah, I don't know. I completely agree with you. Uh, this might be the most boring game of Sunday coming. Uh, both teams probably can't score. Both teams can't score in the red zone. So it's going to come down to the kickers and who's got the better kicker, to be honest. But um, as you said, Matt Ryan makes a lot of mistakes. The, the Jaguars have got some good takeaways from other the other teams. So uh, maybe we see a lot of mistakes from Matt Ryan this game with an overpowering pressure from Josh Allen on the defense of that Jags team or whoever, uh, Devin Lloyd, that rookie, as you mentioned, Dara. So um, I don't know. It's just going to be boring. I don't really want to watch this game. I don't really think – like Matt Ryan set that team back a couple of years, in my opinion. Um, it's it's not good. It's not good at all. And and if, as you said, if John Taylor isn't playing, that's just a whole nother mess that the, the Colts have to get through where the Jags have two decent running backs ready to go. So – yeah, no, most boring game. I don't think I'm going to watch it. Well, I will watch the condensed probably. That is the definition of a YouTube highlight game. <laughs> you know, that's what it is. It's it's Dara's YouTube highlight game of the week. It's the one that you'll spend the 10, 15 minutes watching on YouTube. And that's all I think you'll need to know about it. But um, yeah, I, I it's a tough one though to pick for me. I'm not too sure. Um, if Jonathan Taylor plays... You, I would imagine that the Colts would have enough to win that game. If the ja- if he doesn't play, I I think the Jaguars could. Um, it's weird. Like the strengths of the the Colts are kind of you know they help counterbalance the strengths of the the Jaguars. Like some of their wide receivers are quite good, but the the Colts uh, wide, cornerbacks have been really good this year, which include of course Stephen Moore and uh, Stephen Gilmore, I should say. Um, I'm going to go with the Colts on this one only because they have home advantage, only because they're looking to avenge their last two defeats against the Jaguars too. Um, might be a bit of just a lull period now for Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars for the next few weeks, and hopefully he can come back a little stronger after that. Yeah, I yeah I'm going to go against you there. I, I'm going to go I'll go against you. Uh, I think that Trevor Lawrence... Did a pretty good job passing the football last week. Uh, maybe didn't do as much in the red zone as he should have. Um, but we have seen improvements by him this season. Uh, and I think he's going to take that step forward. The Colts defense, as good as they look on paper, have not been performing all that well. True, they didn't allow a touchdown versus the Broncos. But the Broncos offense have been abysmal this season. Uh, so I expect Trevor Lawrence to get things going in this game. Uh, and look for them to lean on James Robinson and Travis Etienne in the game. You know, Etienne had his uh, highest career scrimmage yardage uh, on the game last week. So, yeah, expect them to lean on that running game. And uh, I see the Jaguars coming away with a W in this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. I, I, if I have to pick one, it has to be the Jags, I think, on this one. Unfortunately, I'm going to have to pick one from this game. So I'm going to go with the Jags. Yeah. Okay, no problem. That's no problem at all. Just when I win, I'll try not to rub it in your faces too much. Uh, well, I don't think anybody wins with this game now. On Sunday. But anyway, <laughs> let's move on and let's have a look at the Minnesota Vikings traveling to Miami to take on the Dolphins. Like I mentioned earlier on, the Vikings coming off their 29-22 to win against the Bears. The Dolphins coming off their 40-17 to loss against the Jets. 
Uh, Tua Tungavailoa is back in practice this week, we've seen, but he's already been ruled out for the game this week by uh, Mike McDaniel. Um, obviously, you're giving him another week to, you know, um, rest that concussion. And um, we still don't know about Teddy Bridgewater if he's going to make it. If not, then we'll probably see Skylar Thompson. Um, Tyreek Hill is a doubt. We don't know if he's going to make it now to this game. He left the game with a boot on last week against the Jets, so we'll see how he is there. Um, on the Vikings side of things, Dalvin Cook went for two touchdowns last year. Justin Jefferson is continuing his case for Offensive Player of the Year. He had a career-high 12 receptions for 154 yards and he's tied with uh hall of famers lance allward and randy moss for the most games with 150 plus yards in his first three seasons um as an nfl player uh he has 17 games so far with 100 plus receiving yards the third most by uh, any player in his first three career seasons and I think the key obviously for the, the Vikings to win this game is to give Jefferson the ball as much as he can obviously he'll have Xavier and Howard looking after him in that game too so it'll be interesting to see that little battle to see how things progress on that on the Dolphin side of things like I mentioned if whether it's Teddy Bridgewater or Skylar Thompson it'll be important to get the run game going especially with Raheem Mostert um, and Chase Edmonds. If Tyreek Hill can't make it, obviously more responsibility will fall on the shoulders of Jalen Waddle. Um, but we'll see what happens there. Jake, your thoughts on on this game? Yeah, I mean, it, for me, it really all relies on if Teddy Bridgewater is playing or not, because at least we know Teddy Bridgewater can play. Skylar Thompson didn't play too badly last week, but. I don't know if that's going to be sustainable for uh, a quarterback, a rookie quarterback. Um, so I think what's going to happen is it's, there's going to be a lead to the Vikings early and then there's going to be a lot of running the ball from the Vikings and a lot of uh, playing catch-up from the Dolphins. So I don't know. Like, I know I like Raheem Ostert. He's just a bit injury-prone, so he can catch the ball and stuff like this. But I don't know. I just don't see them being able to run the ball because I feel like they're going to be playing catch-up. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat as Jake on this one. Um, the Dolphins are starting to worry me a bit. This feels like a little bit of a slide starting to form. Uh, if they lose this game, uh, it's going to be like catch-up time for the Dolphins to try and go ahead and win that division because they will be looking to win that division uh, to really kind of give themselves the best advantage that they can in the playoffs. Um but the Vikings are looking very, very strong. Dalvin Cook on the ground is looking fantastic. Justin Jefferson, I love the way they move him around the pitch, set him up in different positions and get the ball to him as often as they can. Um, yeah, Cousins is playing all right, but on the defensive side of the ball, Zadarius Smith is having himself a season. Um, he was good over with the 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 Green Bay Packers moving to a divisional rival never sometimes doesn't work out, but it certainly has for Zadarius Smith. Um, so yeah, I, I just, I see the Vikings winning this game, regardless of who's starting up quarterback. And I think it will be Teddy Bridgewater. We didn't see much wrong with him in that game. I saw some of the fan footage. I didn't see the stumbling that the, uh, the spotters saw. So yeah, I'm taking the Vikings in this one. Mm -hmm. Of course. Yeah. yeah I'm going to, Sorry, uh, Jake, I was just going to mention, of course, he, yeah, he was, you could say, I, I don't want to say a victim, but he was um, pulled out of the game because of the new 
concussion ruling that was brought in because of the issues around two and him coming back into games and stuff like that. So, you know, the Dolphins just can't seem to get out of the news when it comes to stuff like that. But Jake, sorry to interrupt you there. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think I'm going to lean the Vikings anyway, regardless of whether Teddy B plays or not. But um, the whole game changes for me if Teddy Bridgewater starts to play because now you, you feel like you can have a, a more uh, even passing attack with your rushing attack. But um, I still think that they're not going to be able to hold back the Vikings offense and they're going to have to play a bit of catch up, which becomes harder when you're starting a rookie quarterback. Exactly, and I am going to lean with the Vikings on this game as well. I think it's going to be important for them to continue into the second half of games. We've seen them dominate first half of games a lot this year, especially even last week, um, and in the London game as well against the uh, the Saints. That they they went up early in these games, but they allowed teams to come back into it. They have to stop that, or they have to continue to put their their foot on the gas pedal and continue on the offense to start driving up points so they don't get into these games. It, if it wasn't for a holding call, um, the Bears would have won that game last week um, with the uh, with the Justin Fields run that was called back for the hold. So, you know, the Vikings could easily be two and three, three and two right now if it wasn't for these, you know, calls going their way and um and these last minute wins so i think that uh, it's important for them to keep to play a full 60 minute game um, and not a first half game or for a 30 minute game but i still am going to lean with them to win this one we'll move on then to the bengals traveling to new orleans to take on the saints the bengals coming off that sunday night football loss to the baltimore ravens the saints coming off their huge win against the seahawks with Taysom hill going for four total touchdowns three rushing and one throwing. Um, if you need a player to have a career day, just play the Seahawks. He'll give you that to them. No problem at all. Um, looking at this game first, um, I am leaning a bit towards the Bengals on this one. Uh, Joe Burrow is actually quite a good road quarterback. Um, he has um, a... Well, I just saw the stats there for... Uh, let me just see. Uh, yeah, he has 19, yeah. 20 touchdowns, 19 pass and one rushing touchdown to five interceptions and um, with a 104 rating in his last nine home games. He is a very good road quarterback. The, uh, the defense plays sneakily good too. It's not getting a lot of credit at the moment. And um, even to keep the, the Ravens um, down to just 19 points as well last week was quite good. The Saints, on the other hand, do struggle a bit on offense. We don't know about the health of Chris Olave just yet, if he's going to make it after that nasty-looking concussion he, he took. Jarvis Landry and Michael Thomas should be back this week. Uh, like I mentioned, Taysom Hill had a fantastic game last week. It looks like they might be sticking with Andy Dalton. Again, a quarterback this week. I don't think Jameis is quite ready. Um, so they are getting some offensive pieces back. Um, the defense does flatter to deceive a little bit. They should be performing, I feel, a little bit better. Um, but, yeah, I, I think I'm going to lean towards the Bengals in this game just for um, just for the quarterback. And I think that uh, he'll be able to see. But before you actually get into the game, did you see that, I think, on Twitter there during the week about the Sunday Night Football game giving away Joe Mixon's tells for plays. Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's just silly stuff, isn't it? That's just almost like high school level football. 
Yeah, just it is. ridiculous. It is. But uh, Rian, I'll actually start with you on, first on this one. What are your thoughts ahead of the Bengals at Saints? My thoughts are pretty similar to yourselves in terms of it's a difficult one to call. Um, like you said, Joe Burrow is a very good road quarterback. Um, he's just a very good quarterback in general, <laughs> I believe. But he didn't have the best of games last week. Um, I think he had one touchdown, one interception, something like that. Um, but he did. He didn't look himself the whole the whole game. And what is making me go the opposite to yourself on this one, Dara, is momentum. Uh, I think that Saints win was very big for them, uh, going out there and beating the Seahawks. Admittedly, not the best defense in the world, but at the same time, they went out, they scored points, and it, it's going to feel good in the Saints locker room where the Bengals probably feel a little bit beat down. They're 2-3 and three when they weren't really expecting to be, and the Saints are 2-3 and three without their starting quarterback. Uh, so I think they're going to be pretty happy with how things are going the momentum will be with their way and that's what's kind of putting me towards picking the saints in this one yeah i think that's a bit dangerous though to be honest i've seen a tweet just before we start recording this that michael thomas was not spotted at practice today which doesn't generally bode bode well for them um and also uh, one of their defensive players wasn't spotted at practice as well so we'll see have to see how that plays out for the rest of the week but um, what I'm thinking in this game is takeaways. I've seen the Saints um, have a, they've given it, are taking it away five times and giving it away a total of 13 times, which is not a good um, ratio here. We've seen Von Bell has three interceptions on the season. So maybe that continues on this game, one or two more. I'm liking the way the, the, the Bengals have played, but that O-line scares me. It's just not good like as good as it should be to protect Joe and um, the two Joes in the backfield. But uh, at least we've seen Joe Mixon have a pretty decent game and the rest of them running back's room. So I'm going to lean the Bengals on this one. I think that's just the way the game's going to go. I just don't think you can compare that Seattle win to anything, even though it's just a bit of momentum. But when you, when you look at the stats of that team, the Seattle team's defense is just not good and you can't, hold that where the Ravens defense is quite good um, and they still managed to score the 17 points there yeah um, I'm gonna yeah I'm gonna go for the Bengals on this game uh, like I mentioned I am leaning towards them I think I am gonna go for them I think that they are a team that are in a better position at the moment to be going towards playoffs and Super Bowl they have the better players in the important positions and I think that'll be enough for them to leave um, New Orleans with the win, but let's move on then to yeah, let's move on to this game. Uh, Jake's favorite game of the week the Baltimore Ravens traveling to MetLife to take on the New York Giants. Jake, I'll let you go first on this one. What are your thoughts ahead of this game? Uh, I plead the fifth. I feel like if I don't talk on this game, I won't be able to jinx anything. Um, but no, in seriousness, on this game, it's gonna be. It's tough. I would like to pick the Giants, but I feel like this is the game out of the next couple of games that we're going to lose. It's, um, it's, it's a tough Ravens team with a quality quarterback who can seem to throw now and then also uh, still has his rushing ability who's hard to contain in that pocket. So um, it's going to be tough, although the Giants have Wink Martindale, who was the defensive coordinator of that uh, Ravens team for the past couple of years. So he might have a bit of an inside uh, track on how to stop Lamar Jackson running in into that um, Q 
keep running all over the place and throwing the ball around. But uh, on the Giants' offensive side, we also have maybe three practice quad receivers playing as a starting wide receiver. We still got Saquon Barkley. Daniel Jones' ankle didn't seem to bother him last week, and that uh, offensive line seems to be getting into a bit of a rhythm. So um, it's a pick for me. I, I don't see them losing like they would have usually lost in recent years, but um, I don't know. It's hard to say. Hard to say. Yeah, it's it's a little bit crazy that we're talking about like are the Giants gonna win this game? Like if you gave Jake at the start of the season four and two to start out, you would have bit your hand off for it. But now he's talking about I don't know, can we beat the Ravens? Um for me, I just think Lamar is too good for this Giants team. I like the Giants team. I've said it every single week that I've watched them. I like how they play football. They're very gritty, but the um the Ravens do have that big magic button that they press all the time that is when things go poorly get it to mark andrews or just keep it in lamar's hands and it seems to work 99 times out of 100 so (laughs) i i expect to see the giants winning at some point in this game but that big red button will be smashed by the offensive coordinator we'll see a big game from um from andrews and a big game from lamar on the ground and unfortunately i can see the giants slipping to four and two in this one yeah, um, I think one area that Jake sort of kind of alluded to that I think is very important in this game is that wide receivers. Um, and it worked last week against a underperforming, you know, uh, Packers secondary. But I think the likes of Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters especially, I think, are going to just gobble up a chances to try and, you know get at the football if if and when uh, Daniel Jones does throw it. Um I think especially with, with Peters, I think he, he just has this eye for knowing um <laughs> how to get into the heads of these these receivers and even into his own head as well as we saw after the game against who was the game that they lost before the the game last week against the Bengals? The Bills. That was the Bills game where he just lost his mind and ended up having a fight with his own coach. But I think that the the Ravens' uh, defensive line hasn't been great this year, so I do think Daniel Jones will have loads of time to throw the ball. Could be the worst thing for Daniel Jones to give him too much time to throw the ball. Um, Hang on, his interception and football rate has gone <laughs> drastically down this season. He's only got three interceptions, I think, and two fumbles. I, some, I think it's like, come on, man, give him some credit. He's turned a little bit around. <laughs> Um, only okay. two fumbles through five weeks like that's that's it's pretty low comparatively <laughs> not great. It's, it's better than matt ryan's anyway for sure so True. um but yeah look i i think look lamar jackson is continuing his his quest for mvp and and you know the it continues on sunday against the giants i think that's i think like you mentioned the the safety net of Mark Andrews, but also the fact that the likes of Rashad Bateman and Devin Duvernay, who no one would have guessed would perform as well as they are this year, are fantastic in the wide receiver positions for uh, for the Ravens. Um, J.K. Dobbins, since he's come back from his injury, has sort of, you know, hasn't had that breakout game. I think this could be his breakout game this week. Um, his welcome back game after his injury. So I'm going to go with the Ravens. A sort of clean sweep for this game, unfortunately. But look, nothing to say that this is going to be the end of the road for the Giants. Just that 
they're against a team that is further along the road than they am. That's that than they are. That's it. I'm just trying to quick search who has more fumbles than Daniel Jones, and it's <laughs> Matt Ryan, Marcus Re- Mariota, Carson Wentz, Baker Mayfield, Joseph Fields, Matthew Stafford, Trevor Lawrence, Joe Flacco, Davis Mills. It's a whole load of more quarterbacks way ahead of Daniel Jones. Give him some credit. You know who doesn't? Not on four and one teams though. <laughs> you know who yeah, doesn't well, though? Well. Gino Smith. Gino Smith. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll move. <laughs> <laughs> I only get to I only get to brag so much about the Seahawks. Let me have this, okay? Um, let's move on to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers traveling to Pittsburgh to take on the Steelers, who are one and four. Steelers coming off that hammering against the Bills last week. The, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers lucky to come out of their victory against the Atlanta Falcons. Of course, we mentioned that very questionable roughing the passer call as well. Um, this game, whereas a couple of years ago, if this was to happen, the teams would have been in very different places with probably the Steelers more established and the Buccaneers struggling. Now that it's kind of turned on its head a little bit a big thing for me is the the tampa bay defense against this offense and against this rookie quarterback in kenny pickett who didn't actually despite the score last week did not play that badly against the bills only given up the one interception and had some very nice throws that if his wide receivers could keep their feet in bounds would have actually improved the stat line even a little bit and probably they would have scored more I worry for their running game. Najee Harris is really disappointed this year and the Bucs don't give up a lot in the running game either. Um, I do fancy the Buccaneers to go and win this game and the on the other side of things with the Steelers' defense that have really flattered to deceive that they are really missing the likes of TJ Watt so much in this uh, this period. I'm going to go for a Bucs win and I think it could be a quite a straightforward win for the Bucs in this game. But uh Rain, I'll start with you first on this one. What do you think? Yeah, I wouldn't be as confident in calling it a locked up win for the Buccaneers. They too have been having their struggles on the offensive side of the football. Um Tom Brady looks like he's had a little bit of a a, a decrease in his abilities for the first time in his in his career. Um which is which is interesting to see. Um so, yeah, I mean, the Steelers are a bad football team, right? I don't like Kenny Pickett. I don't like the way their defense is performing without TJ Watt. Um, so I still think I'll be going for the, the Buccaneers. But the Buccaneers have the potential to lose this game as well because they have just been underperforming all season. Uh, and it's just one of those games that, you know, someone is going to beat them that shouldn't. And it could very well be the Steelers. I don't see them dropping this game, really, especially as you mentioned the TJ Watt factor. If he was in this game, you might be calling it a little bit closer towards the Steelers. But I do think Leonard Fournette might have himself a little game here with some nice yards, especially trying to catch it. We know he had uh, quite a good few receptions there last week. So I can see this just being a game of hand it to Leonard Fournette and then occasionally take your shot downfield to Mike Evans or Chris Godwin or whoever else can run the ball down there. And I think that the the Bucks defense can really swallow this uh, rookie quarterback up, being that we know Todd Bowles is a defensive guy. He might come up with some cool new schemes or something cool that might confuse Kenny Pickett. And uh, I just see it being a, a, a Buccaneers game. I would I might maybe lock this game up. 
Fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. I, I would say expect some um, some interesting looks at the start, maybe like cover zero looks with guys dropping back who you might not expect that sort of thing. Uh, just everything to get a young quarterback off his off his nice, comfortable throwing platform. Well, that's it. Uh, hasn't been that comfortable anyway. If for your first game of the year going up against the Buffalo Bills, it's not. He's definitely not been comfortable. And then he's facing the Buccaneers. Um, he's definitely putting them in at the deep end anyway, uh, Coach Tomlin, to start them out. So maybe after these games, the rest of the ones will seem easy. But this one especially, I think, might be just a little tough 